What's up, y'all? I'm Otil. And I'm Mike. And we are on Patreon. Get on the bus, you guys. Get your bus pass. We put out an additional episode every week where we answer questions from you. Or sometimes we may just get off on a tangent about something important or cool that happened that day or a couple days ago. Yeah, it's Otiel and I catching up and you are invited. So if you head to patreon.com slash comes a time pod, uh, you can join us. Uh, you can get the bus pass. We have some incredible merch coming soon. Uh, we've got a lot of great surprises. So uh, we would love to have you guys head on over. Yes. Most of all, we want to connect with you. So uh, get on the bus, y'all. What's up, comes a time fans? I'm Oteo. And I am Mike. Uh, we've got a good one for you today, as usual. Uh, this one's special to me. Um, we had Bob Roth, the CEO of the David Lynch Foundation, an author and uh, very uh, huge in the transcendental meditation community. And I've brought it up here a lot, and I've brought it up in conversations with you, so I really wanted to have him on to discuss. And, uh, man, that was a great one, huh? I'm so glad that uh, we were able to have him on. I feel really lucky. Honestly, I thought, you know, this guy's probably not going to have time for our little old podcast, you know. But, man, yeah, it was one of the best ones by far. Clearly now we've made it a theme in this podcast where it's, you know, and you and I talk off air we're shooting for arrows right to the heart and right to the soul. And that's your quote. And, uh, and this one and the mind, and this one, this one was a big one for me. And, and I had a chance to meet Bob and befriend Bob, uh, in New York. I met with him at the David Lynch foundation. One of the instructors of TM recommended that I meet Bob and we instantly hit it off. He invited me to a couple of events, um, where I got to like meet, you know, quickly meet Jim Carrey and a couple other cool people, but just talk with other meditators. Yeah. And, uh, I'm not pushing this on anyone. I'm not saying it's, you know, I don't get commission. <laughs> it's nothing like that. <laughs> I'm just telling you this thing, uh, did it for me. And, uh, I know it did it for a lot of others. And the David Lynch foundation is doing a ton of great work for veterans, women who have experienced domestic abuse, children, prisons, you know, people, prisons, people in healthcare. So, um, I love his whole thing about how he always goes back to the brain science. He's like, look, this is scientifically <clears throat> backed up. Very, yeah. I love that. And, uh, yeah. so it's, it works. I mean, that's the proof is in the pudding. Does it, does it have benefits or does it not, you know? Like, right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's called an effortless meditation and people go, what does that mean? And it's, I guess what I just, I didn't want to interrupt him when he was talking. So from a, from a practicer, practitioner, practicing meditator, it's, it's, you literally have a room inside of you that you can go to that is your space and it's it's a place that you can just be as quiet and as as light and as like safe from the world or whatever it may be and it just fills you up and it, it fills your cup and it charges you Seinfeld says you know that feeling when you have a hundred percent battery on your phone how good you feel it's yeah. like that you know and uh 
it's just, I had to get to the point where I told friends like that I traveled with doing stand up. I go, you're going to think I'm weird, but 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night, I'm going to go sit in the bathroom and just like, I need a quiet place to go meditate. And that's, you know, and I, I made it a regular part of my life and I'm, uh, extremely happy that I did. And it helped with creativity and all that, of course, immensely and, uh, being open to everything. But more importantly, it helped me kind of, uh, be okay with not being okay. You know what I mean? And being a dented can and being able to kind of laugh a little bit at it. So, um, you know, that metaphor that he used was just my favorite for people that don't understand meditation. when he talks about the ocean and it's all wavy on top, but it's really calm down at the bottom. And it's just a matter of directing your attention. Mm-hmm. Like that's not hard. Like I no. grew up in a loud family. So the kids can be going berserk here and I can just tune them out because you have to like you, you what you're talking about, accepting what is we're dedicated. You have to accept all this turbulence on the top. It yeah. is what it is. But our attention can go to a different, pl- to a more calm place. And it's like, wow, that's where you recharge. And that's, that's my second favorite thing that he brought up. I won't bring up the first one because I want them to. Yeah, dude, how cool. <laughs> my God, that, that it's such an unbelievable. But yeah, it's, it's, it, it's really wild. And if you think about it, all of those bubbles at the top, right? All the all the the foam and the right. If you track them all down, they all come down to one singular bubble coming from the bottom. Yeah. And it's like you can deal with things better when you deal with them one at a time instead of. I've got a brain that literally is like. I think I may have made this analogy to you, like you know those hot dog wheels at the movies. Yeah where each one's a different fear and a different thought and a different self-criticism. And I get like 20 seconds to think about it and then it's gone and then another one comes. Gone, another one comes. And it's like (laughs) eight, nine horrible things at once. And then the critic's like, Wait, add a little bit of extra, you know, pandemic to that thought. He wants you know? to with that. <laughs> well done, you know, but it's just, it, that's what it is. And that's what, how I'm wired or however it happens. And, and at least I have those 40 minutes or so to like, kind of be not that, but I think it's okay to be fully transparent about our foibles and our weird whatevers, because we're not alone in this. And I appreciate you letting me do a little bit of a longer, you know, intro here and whatever, but I just really, really, really want it. Everybody that that's listening to, to know they're not alone when it comes to like, you know, everything that we love as deadheads, as comic fans, as musicians, as whatever, everything's not here. All of our, our, you know, real escapes are, you know, we can't do them because of the pandemic. You know what I mean? And we can't hug the people we want to hug or have the people over that we need to be surrounded by. So the way that Bob says that that place has always been there, it just transcendental meditation helps you find the the depth. That to me is, you can't say it better. So go to the lounge. That's (laughs) so enjoy everyone. Enjoy. Hey, Osiris listeners. 
We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Bob, welcome to the show. Wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure to uh, to see you. We we got together a couple years ago and had a nice chat in uh, what is now the epicenter of uh, <laughs> the pandemic in New York City. Whoever saw that coming? Whoever saw that coming? I know. Have you been in the city? Are you? Uh, yeah, are you... right now I'm with some friends on Long Island, but I have an apartment in New York City, and I come and go. And I've lived there for 15 or 20 years. And it's, it's kind of a sad place right now. I, I shop in little store, like little juice bars and little health food stores and cab drivers and they're, you know, they're worried. So anyway. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we uh, have an, a running theme here on the show about uh, mindfulness and spirituality and silencing the critic. Um, in fact, that's kind of how O'Teal and I's friendship began. And uh, I had him on my old podcast and we started to talk about moments of having that moment where it all clicked. And uh, I must bring up transcendental meditation. <laughs> I think if there is a list of words I say the most on this podcast, it's TM. So uh, it's saved me. And uh, I've been a practicing TM meditator now for it was eight years in September. So, I have so many questions, but you're the one who's doing the interview. Go. No, it's hey, a conversation. How did, so. but how did it save you? How did, where were you before and what, what brought, you know, what, what brought you to TM and how is it when you look back eight years, how has it saved you? Uh, well, I would have to say that, uh, well, my wife got me TM as a gift, I think to herself. And, uh, <laughs> she, <laughs> uh, I'm someone who, uh, I have a critic that lives in my ear that uh, never lets me give myself any credit or take any um, relaxation or moments to myself. I never earned it. Uh, that's always something that's been since a kid where it's, you know, the minute my butt hits the couch, it's like, you're not, you didn't earn any rest. Get up. There's a lot you haven't done yet. And I had tried various types of meditation prior and I focused too hard on how to do it right. Um, and then to hear about an effortless form of meditation and to n recognize so many people that I respect from the Beatles to Russell Brand to musicians like, you know, the 
some of the members of Fish and Grateful Dead and folks that have talked about it. I said, we have to give this a try. And right off the bat, it was something that just I aligned with. And it taught me that I deserve um, a place to to be able to hearken back to and and a blanket that I can kind of cover myself with twice a day and feel warm and safe and quiet and tell that critic, go take your break. Did, did, did you have a tough upbringing? I've always felt this kind of pressure to, and I moved a million times. I mean, I've, I've, I've been like nomadic and I think that was something that was a blessing and a curse going into my career as stand-up comedy, but also always pushing and trying to do more and more and more. But, um, I would say like probably within the first week of prep within probably the first two or three days of practicing TM, there was like a silence that I had experienced in brief moments in the past, but this was something that I can, I could open the door and I could go in there and feel at, at like back in the womb type, you know, like at peace, blissful light, um, no pressure. And, and I think that I got to the point, Bob, where I was able to meditate on a busy one train at five o'clock in the afternoon going from, you know, the upper west side down, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> through the yeah, city. Yeah, yeah. People next to me smells everything. And I was able to, you know, well, you know say, speak my mantra and, and get there. What you talk about, though, that and so many of us have had that some tumult in our upbringing. And it turns out there's a term called adverse childhood experiences, ACE, adverse childhood experiences. And if you have what they say, two or three ACEs before you're eight years old, then it is very traumatizing to the young brain, very traumatizing and can, and can have a determining factor on how we grow up, what choices we make in relationships, what choices we make in, in, in health, what choices we make with our life. And one of the biggest causes of trauma for anyone of any age, but particularly children, is uncertainty. Uncertainty, where you don't know where you are. You don't know where home is. You don't know, you don't have any sort of basis. And that is very traumatizing. And it creates what they call a neural pathway, a reactivity where you respond just your thing. If you, you haven't, you, you, you don't deserve to sit down. You could be uprooted any second. You have to be on guard. You have to be prepared. You have to be alert. And, and sitting and relaxing is, is not the way to be alert. So when you learn transcendental meditation, we're in the, the analogy of an ocean where you have choppy waves on the surface, which is constantly tumult. And the choppy waves on the surface are our thoughts, our, our feelings up and down in our life, up and down, up and down, success, failure, happy, sad, love, hate, hot, cold, pleasure, pain. So that's all this, but deep inside everyone, like an ocean has turbulence on the surface, but at the depth of the ocean, it's pretty darn steady and silent. We all have within us that field, everyone, whether we believe it, it doesn't, it's not a question of believing, it's not some TM philosophy, it's the hypothesis there, and that's steady. And that's your big self. And that's, you know, that's rooted in yourself. So right from the beginning, when you started meditating, it's not just the experience of that settling down, but it's also the way your brain changed, that it heals those traumatized 
neural pathways from being protective and defensive and on guard and fight or flight and all that. It just allows the brain to reset itself. So it's a beautiful description of what you talk about. And it's not, the changes from TM are not theoretical or new agey. It's an actual transformation in the way your brain and nervous system and body are functioning. So it's a great experience. We're super lucky we're wired that way to begin with, that it does want to, it will reset itself. Yes. You know, what a great gift. And, and, the, and it's beautiful. And the thing, what it takes to reset itself is deep, natural rest. I mean, you hurt your ankle, you know, playing, I hurt my ankle playing basketball as a kid. What do you do? You stay off your ankle and the body will heal itself. In the old days when you just had a simple flu, not like today, but just a simple <laughs> flu, you'd stay in bed and rest and the body would heal itself. You're stressed out of your mind, you're anxious, you're worried, and you're not getting enough sleep. And then your friend or partner says, you gotta go to bed early, you gotta get sleep. What happens when the body rests during sleep? It heals itself. So TM gives the body a state, transcendental meditation gives the body a state of rest in many regards, twice as deep as deep sleep. And that is what allows the body to heal itself, to just re restore integrated, healthy, normal functioning. The twice daily uh, practice of TM is something that in the beginning, and it's just so funny, the excuse maker in you, <laughs> the one that goes, you all oh. have it. You go, you go, I don't, you know, I'm just waking up. I don't need more rest. And then I, Jerry Seinfeld says it perfect where he goes, look at your bed, look at the way that your sheets are all torn up and there's, you know, the pillows are thrown around. That doesn't look very restful. So it was interesting to, you know, it's again, it's that earning something, but, uh, that I, I carry with me, but I found the morning meditations to be, I think the most head on with my critic, because I'm someone who would wake up in the morning and still do. Before I even open my eyes, it's, okay, what, what needs to be done today? What didn't you finish yesterday? What, you know, what are you already behind on? And to sit and to meditate early in the morning, pre-coffee, pre-anything, it's just wiping that chalkboard clean and, you know, having a fresh, you know, sheet of paper to kind of go, okay, what, what really matters today? And that's a really good point. And sometimes I think to myself, well, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. And we're talking about taking 40 minutes out of 1,440 to do what? To actually completely in a healthy, natural way, reset the brain and body. So in the morning, we're, we're like ready for the day. This is not, the morning it's meditate, TM is not about recuperation. That's in the afternoon, you know, but in the morning, Yes, you've rested, but your brain waves, I hope you don't mind too much science here, but your brain waves have been very slow, delta brain waves. You're sluggish. That's why you want the coffee. You, you got to get going. You got to get going. Well, you go from that to TM, which is called alpha one, which is like settled and awake and alert. It's really tuning yourself up for the day in 20 minutes, a, a natural uh, preparation for higher energy levels, more resilience, more steadiness. And then at the end of the day, those 20 minutes, sometime from three or four o'clock on, to ideally before dinner, then it's a recuperative. Then it's washing away all the stress and the tension and, you know, inevitability of life. So when you see your wife or 
you're with friends or family, you're yourself again. You're not carrying the nonsense of the day and splattering them with it. I love that uh, the metaphor you use of tuning yourself up, just being a musician, you yeah. know? Do you find that you have less need for coffee and stuff as you, you were saying, like, you know, it kind of energizes yeah. you to do it in the morning? That's exactly what it does. It's a preparation. You know, there are many different types of people say, well, how does TM differ from mindfulness or how does it differ from other forms? And this is not a judgment in any way because not everything, there's a lot of sham stuff out there for just marketing and money purposes, but the legitimate forms of meditation and many mindfulness techniques are that way as shown by, by science. They're in that analogy of the ocean, they're more concerned about slowing the waves, stopping the waves, controlling the waves, different attitude towards thoughts, stopping thoughts, controlling thoughts, changing your thoughts, sort of they call it cognitive approaches to, um, to, to the mind and meditation. Whereas transcendental meditation says, okay, no, waves are natural to the ocean. Thoughts are natural to the mind. Just underneath it, there's this whole vast realm of your own self of calm and quiet and the potentiality for incredible creativity. So it's just accessing that and that really tunes everything up. So you're naturally more mindful afterwards. You're naturally more present when you're performing. You're naturally more in the flow without even trying. Yeah. Writing for uh, the, the TV show, I wrote for, uh, for, for years now, I've been writing for uh, Impractical Jokers, which is a, a television show and a couple of their spinoffs. And you take a break from the writer's room and uh, I would go visit the TM studio on Beaver Street down in the financial district and it, Otiel, it's phenomenal. There's these perfect, there's these little rooms that you can just, you know, when you do TM, those are open to you anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, you know, you could go visit and it's like just this little decompression. It's a room with a chair and, um, it's amazing to hear the noise of New York in the back and you're always there, but you're somewhere else. And it's, and it's a, it's a really amazing parallel or microcosm or yin yang of, of you're here in the busiest city in the financial area and it's hustle bustle, but you're above it. And, and, and it's, uh, it has been such an unbelievable source. Like you said, Bob, to kind of just, you know, tune back up because we get so jumbled. And I, I, I think about like, detangling the cord on your, on your headphones. Like you're just kind of get frantic. And to me, that's like what a day feels like. And then sometimes you just put it away, and walk away from it before you, you know, rip it in half. And someone even said, you have so many apps on, you know, open on your computer. You just reboot. You just, cause it just free, you just reboot. And so that's what the TM is. Again, it's this, it's a lot. Of, I talk, I teach and I talk to a lot of people who say, well, I, I love to be able to meditate. I believe that it works, but I, I just can't do it. My mind is so busy. I'm so easily distracted. It's frustrating because I can't clear my mind of thoughts. And I say, well, that's, and you know, Mike, you can weigh in on this, but that's not transcendental meditation. That clearing your mind of thoughts would be like trying to stop every wave on the surface of the ocean. That's an impossible task. It, 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 and it's hard, it's hard to do. In TM, we just take a natural dive within to our own quiet, more settled state. Like 
intuition, but even deeper than intuition, that, that feeling that you get is you're just quite, the, sometimes it's a rare sort of the zone experience of just having a moment of intimacy. It can be with a partner, it can be listening to music or playing music, it can be when you're on the stage and you're just click, you just click. Athletes talk about the zone and musicians do too. Inside, like calm and quiet, outside, athletes coming at you, music, everything at you, at you, at you, you know, the audience, but inside, and that's naturally within everyone. And transcendental meditation with the use of a mantra, which is a word or a sound that has no meaning, simple to one or two syllable, three syllable sound that a TM teacher would give you in personal instruction. And it just, it just happens. I can teach a 10 year old child with uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, who couldn't sit with her or his eyes closed for a minute and they do 10 minutes of TM and they love it because it's not forced. It's those inner realms are so enjoyable to feel. Do you find that there's some, uh, I always am looking at uh, things that have kind of tricked me into meditation or not tricked me where I've just kind of fallen into it, you know, because... Um, like my son can do it too. I was really surprised. He's five years old. He's all, all over the place. But you know, everybody have those moments where they're just kind of zoned out. You know, and it looks like someone's looking through you. And I'm like, ha, ah, you were doing it right then. Or you know, like in music, to me, uh, rhythms are like a mantra because it's like a rhythmic melody or a melody could be a mantra. And so I find like musicians fall into that scuba diving i find when i've got certified and i got down i was like whoa this whole thing is like a meditation if i could get rid of this regulator but then even that could be a mantra i guess just the darth vader in and out you know like do you want to comment on that mike you want to comment um you could go first okay so the thing is is yes transcendence moments of transcendence moments of that calm that that settledness that that are natural the, traditionally, for thousands and thousands of years, the purpose of something like TM is so you can access it without having to be in the water, without having to play music. You yeah. can access it in, a, in the, sub, the number one subway going from the <laughs> Upper West Side downtown. And, so, and then what it means is then those experiences, when your brain has that experience of that, settle, that deep dive within, then those connections, those brain cells that, that fire together, they connect together as you're experiencing that, wire together afterwards. So now you're, you have that experience you were just talking about or your son or you that, that more regularly, more naturally, more often, because that is healthy, normal functioning. All this other nonsense is that's where a victim of life, we're a victim of demands, we're a victim, we're just overwhelmed by well, my partner's in a bad mood or my job is in jeopardy or this thing and that thing. And I have a million reasons why I'm not on top of my game. And it's everybody else's and legitimately big stuff. So many other reasons for it, but we have a tool so we don't have to be a victim. We have yeah. a tool so that we can really rise above that and grow in our life and not have to come up with reasons why things aren't going our way. I feel like a lot of people look at I, I, when I've known more of mystics in my life, they, they kind of zone out, you know, a lot. And people are like, oh, but I think they're doing that. They're like, you know, they're just it's a kind place of, that you finally know is yeah, there. 
Yeah, they fall into it more naturally, and people kind of think they're weird. And I'm like, yeah, that's. I think that might be part of their superpower. You know. <laughs> well, the thing is, it 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 done properly and done systematically, it, it, like with transcendental meditation, it has such practical benefits. You know, it just looks like this. You're just sitting with your eyes closed, just. And then your body immediate as your mind dives within, if you do the cross section of an ocean analogy, where you have choppy waves on the surface, but the depth of the ocean, as you know, as a scuba diver is silent. Well, as your mind fathoms those deeper levels, and it's, as Mike said, it's nothing fancy, it's just yeah. normal, it's just, it's comfortable. Mm. But your body goes to this whole constellation of changes. There's something called cortisol, Cortisol is a stress hormone, and you know we need a little bit of cortisol to get out to get out of bed in the morning. But the amount we're pumping out undermines our digestion. It it undermines the um, immune system. It weakens our memory. It's a risk factor for dementia down the road. And dementia doesn't start at the age of 65 and hit you at 70. Dementia starts and Alzheimer's starts at 30s and 40s. It's a slow, treacherous growth. Well, during TM. And a good night's sleep will drop cortisol levels 10%. During TM, cortisol levels will drop 30 to 40%. So it's a, you know, it's a real, this is serious practical benefits. I, and I would say too that there have been experiences. What I love about TM is that similar to the music I love and the comedy that I love, it's never the same. Yeah, it's not an uh, an app that you put on that that dings or you hear the sounds of chimes or. There have been meditations where I close my eyes, and I have this moment where I'm seeing something that my two eyes it's too big for my human eyes to grasp. Like I'm seeing and experiencing something so universally huge, Beautiful. and I feel like lifetimes have gone by, and I open my eyes and check my my clock or my phone and like less than a minute has gone by. I feel an infinity has happened in my life, but less than a minute has gone by. And it's such a profound experience. And then I've had meditations where I take a deep breath and 20 minutes is up. And it's like, I've, I've literally been in the most peaceful, warm state of relaxation. And then there are meditations where I have to get my oil changed. I'm gaining weight. When's the last time I shaved my head? I'm fat. I got to be nicer to Lisa. You know, things like that. I mean, it's all like Bob said, it's not the per it's, you don't like, um, I feel like you kind of, you, you take the ride. If you're hiking on a yeah. trail and you come across a dovetail on the path and you want to, you know, you go that way and you know where the, you, at least, you know, that trail exists now. And I think that's the thing that I find to be so helpful and beneficial is that I can remember that that place exists when I'm not meditating. Yeah. And the thing is, is the beauty of it is in life, there's so much pressure, you know, and we're constantly comparing ourselves to one degree or another, you know, and or I get into bed at night, I, there's, I got to get to sleep because I got to get up. I got to feel fresh. I, there's pressure. And how did I do with Kyle? And how did I do with my wife? And how did I do with this thing? And I could have been better. And I could have, this is constantly an aspiring and it's exhausting. Well, for 20 minutes, twice a day with transcendental meditation, there's no shoulds. There's no uh, pressure to, I, I, I was better yesterday than today. No, 
the meditation, because it's so natural, just follows the body. So my, if we were to meditate right now, it'll be a different experience than if we were to meditate one hour from now, because my body's going to be different. And that's okay. There's a beautiful story about someone asked the teacher, well, sometimes my meditation seems very deep, and sometimes my meditation seems shallow. Are deeper ones better? And the teacher said, they're both good. And the student said, how's that possible? And the teacher said, because even in a shallow dive, we get wet. So <laughs> you don't get wetter at six feet than two feet. So That's we're off point. the hook. We're off the hook. It's funny because I always say that about literal scuba diving. You know, our teacher took us to these deep wrecks and it's 130 feet down. Now, now feel- that is way down there. I've gone scuba diving. I've never gone that deep. That's serious deep. It's down there. We wanted to see these Goliath grouper. They're like 500 pounds, and he likes wreck diving and stuff. Where, 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 were, you do, where were you diving? It's right here where I live, right off uh, close to Boca Raton, Florida, uh-huh. Pompano Beach or Boynton Beach. Or, yeah. But my favorite dives are just like the 60-footer. I want to see sea turtles. And all the stuff I want to see is is there. And it's like I say, you know, I'm, I'm just as wet. I'm seeing just as much stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I love that. Um. It, 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 what I've, one of the most profound uh, experiences, I, I had the opportunity to do a group meditation when I, right around when I first started. And Otil, I think I may have told you about this. There was a gentleman who had, ver- he was a veteran and he had terrible um, physical uh, PTSD where he had a, a, a t- an uncontrollable, I don't even know what you would call it, like a muscle spasm. And um, he, had been meditating a, a little bit longer than I had. And while we were all sitting uh, prior to meditating, you could tell he was, you know, yeah. m- moving involuntarily. And when we started to meditate, um, I, you know, I kind of opened an eye <laughs> and looked over and he was as still as can be. And I talked to him afterwards and he said that meditation has been the best medicine. TM has been the best meditation like it's helping him slowly gradually chip away at that issue during his non-meditating hours yeah reduction in cortisol changing the way your brain functions all these things which happen spontaneously with tm i taught michael j fox to meditate and he's public about this so it's nothing and he came in he had had uh parkinson's for 20 plus years quite publicly and when he came in to learn, because it's taught about an hour, it takes about an hour a day over four consecutive days from a trained teacher to learn it. So he came in to learn and he was on none of his uh, anti-tremor uh, medication. When you see him on television, he's got, he's got a lot of medications that sort of help control his, his um, movements. But he wanted to see how effective TM would be without medication. So he came in quite filled with tremors. And... Uh, I taught him and like that, all of his tremors disappeared. And when he opened his eyes afterwards, he just was staring at his hands that weren't moving. And he said, this is the calmest my hands have been in 25 years. And the thing is, Parkinson's is not just caused by stress, in which case TM could heal it. It's an imbalance in dopamine. There's some real you know, problems there. But what he found and what he finds is he said, by getting rid of the anxiety, it's, give, it's given him his life back. 
because he was always living, what's, all right, what's my life going to be like in 10 years? How am I going to be with my daughters? How am I going to be able to do this? He was so anxious about the future, he wasn't able to live in the present. And, and TM allowed, he said, it just gave me my, he said, fine, my body is acting like this, but my mind, my heart, my soul, we're good. I'm always fascinated by that term nervous system. Because it really, you know, it's like, it's essential, it's big, it's like, uh, you know, but it's called the nervous system. It's like, okay, well, if you could like control that or diminish, like you say, we need some of it, you need some cortisol to get up out of bed. But just the, in our society, it's just, it's hell on a nervous system. Well, yeah. And there's two different parts to the, I mean, there's many different parts, but there's something called the autonomic nervous system. And that has something called the sympathetic nervous system, which I think is a bad name because you think, oh, sympathy. The sympathetic <laughs> nervous system is the fight or flight. That's the, the part of the nervous system that says, oh my God, I'm being chased by a tiger or I'm being chased by something or I've got to fight. So that, that gets your whole body revved up. It takes all that blood and energy and everything away from your intellect, away from digestion into just muscles. And so that's one part of the nervous system, which you need. The other part of the autonomic nervous system is called the parasympathetic. And that's called, so if this is fight or flight, <laughs> then this is, they call it rest and digest, which is that's where your body is settled. And that's where your body is doing important things like digesting food, like thinking clearly. And so it's a, a balance between the two. But what's happened in life today, as you were saying, is just the, the sympathetic nervous system just taken over. It's, it's like, I remember I had a, when I was a kid, I had a, a Morris Minor, which is an old British little teacup of a car that was so out of tune that when I would, when I have it in fourth gear, the engine was, and then I put it in neutral and the engine still, it never, it never went to idle because it was so out of tune and everybody's ner nervous system is so out of tune. We can't, we can't settle down. We can't just be in our skin. We, we're constantly going. And again, that's where transcendental meditation just allows the system to go back to it, to tune up. How much of that do you think is our culture, like actually like worshiping that, you know, embrace the hustle and just do it. And, you know, I mean, I feel like we've, we've made an idol out of it almost like marketing. it's something it's to marketing. aspire it's sell to stuff. It's to sell stuff. It's marketing. It's a brand. It's a lifestyle. It's just, it's, it's, you know, what do you, what, what's your lifestyle? And we say, you know, take 20 minutes and just, you know, enjoy yourself. Go, you're not going to buy all this paraphernalia. So I really in, in, think a lot of it is just marketing and branding and, and moving product, but it's catching up with us. And when this pandemic of coronavirus whenever ultimately goes, we're going to be left with a much graver pandemic. And that is everybody suffering from trauma and toxic stress. Absolutely. And there is no pill, that, there's no vaccine that you're going to take that's going to calm the sympathetic nervous system and wake up the parent, you know, all the stuff we were talking about. But it's so interesting, Atil, that something from six, 7,000 years ago, transcendental meditation is being seen as uh, uh, an effective antidote to all that. So it's not, the, it's not a modern drug. It's an ancient skill to do what? To do nothing other than access the calm, the equanimity, the silence that already exists within us. Mm. Yeah. 
You know, it's so funny, too, in talking about this, and we've had conversations with other guests about how we have two minds concurrently. We have the active, that we have the thinking mind, and we have the present mind that, you know, the thinking mind is always what's going on in the past, the future, the stuff we can't control. Every single conversation I've had with regardless who, my wife's a nurse practitioner, my sister's a nurse, my friends, other comics, touring musicians and artists, everyone, are you going to get the vaccine? What do we know about the vaccine? Can we get the vaccine? Does that mean we can do this in the spring of 2021? Can we, we're already planning for eight months from now yeah. one shot i think the first woman in the uk received a shot like yesterday and already everybody's planning what if our arms fall off what if we go blind what if we, you know it, and it's just all this kind of and i it, what's nice with tm is i think i learned and fish had it was the the lyrics to it one of their songs it doesn't matter has become my other mantra and i think that tm gave me the Oh, the, the the permission to kind of uh, accept that as a reality that uh, tomorrow the sun's going to come up tonight the sun's going to go down none of this matters it, it's going to be okay and and that is so foreign to me and I believe a lot of people yeah and and it's not it's what again what the meditation allows you to do is to have that experience but not just. I'm stressed out of my mind with high cortisol levels, but I'm going to read this thing that says it doesn't matter. So right. like my jaws are tight. I'm in a bad mood, but I'm reading words that it doesn't matter. So what you have with the meditation is your, your whole body comes to that equipose, that, that settledness. But the interesting thing is actually the roots of transcendental meditation, not hippiedom, the roots of transcendental meditation were the ancient warrior classes. In, in the you know ancient times and those different than today this macho you know I'm going to beat the crap out of you those guys were the ultimate pacifists they were the ultimate they can they you don't fight out of anger you don't fight out of revenge you don't fight out of jealousy you don't fight out of hatred you don't fight out of fear matter of fact you don't fight unless you absolutely have to and so you are now for that to happen you are just the, you know like a ninja you're just inside just an ocean of calm. Yet, when you have to act, when you have to fight, it's there. You can do it, but you don't overdo it and you don't underdo it. You just fight and then you're back to that equanimity, that equipose. So, yeah, I, I think that this, this is what we need to have happen is to, it doesn't matter. This too shall pass, all these things. Otherwise, you just watch 10 minutes of the morning news shows or something. And it's just every day. It just, it, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh my God, it's just relentless. And okay, they get to the election. Now we're through the election. Now it's just more the same and more the <laughs> yeah. same. And it just doesn't stop. And people just have to take control of their lives and say, all right, I don't have to watch this all day. All, all, isn't it? I can be a good citizen of the country and care, but I don't have to buy into the, the media news thing. I watch the news, but you don't have to do 10 hours of it. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at SmartWool. For more than 25 years, SmartWool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. 
take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. It's so sad because the pandemic is a perfect time. A quarantine is a perfect time to give yourself the opportunity. You're forced to to go ahead it's like you got plenty of time to meditate like, <laughs> yeah. go for it you know why not yeah. take advantage but then we just worry <laughs> just like and what do you think about that i think of a lot when i'm me and my wife are trying to just navigate through life and i always have this phrase about negative meditations i'm like wow i think it's like a negative worry to me is like a negative med- meditation and since we're creative beings if you're constantly picturing that then are you not bringing it to fruition somehow? Like, uh, well, the word, yeah, the word meditation just means thinking. So you have focused thinking. That's like a constant. There's types of meditation where you're trying to clear your mind of thoughts. There's uh, walking meditation, which is just walking thinking, and there is you know music meditation. Horse. Uh, so in transcendental meditation is deep thinking, settling down to the source of thought. The interesting thing of what you say is. There's research now on the brain, and I'm sorry I keep going back to science stuff, but I just love we this love stuff about the brain. We love keeping it now. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> love it. So it turns out the same part of your brain, if you're angry at someone else, and if you beat yourself up in the morning, you're angry with yourself, same part of the brain is activated. Mm. Same part. It's not a different part. So the toxicity that you feel when you're, when you're on somebody else's case and you're furious with that person or critical of another person and you're critical of yourself, same destructive effect on the brain and the nervous system. In the same way, when you show compassion to someone else, when you're loving and kind to someone else, it creates something called oxytocin, which is the sort of love and trust hormone. Well, when you're kind to yourself, when you're compassionate with yourself, when you give yourself some slack, then your body creates that oxytocin, which is so healing and so important. So what we're finding is those worry thoughts, that self-critical thoughts, not good for us. You know, what is that American Indian statement? You point one finger accusing somebody of something and you're pointing three fingers back at yourself. Well, that's not just a nice proverb, it's actually happening to your nervous system and body. Again, the value of meditation of TM, of settling down, washing out that cortisol. There's something called serotonin, which is your well-being or happiness neurotransmitter. Big rise in serotonin during TM as you rebalance yourself. Yeah, I experienced that hard. I think the first time I accidentally meditated was through... uh, one of the very first times I was praying and it was went for a long time and then all of a sudden I slipped into that state and I remembered it later when uh, I started meditating just out of doing yoga because I couldn't figure out why I lost so much more weight doing yoga <coughs> than I did doing cardio. And the only thing I could figure out, I was like, well, what's the difference? I was like, well, I'm controlling my breathing. And so I stopped eating when I was full is what happened. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, if controlling my breathing is doing this, maybe I need to get into meditation, you know. And a a buddy called me that had just got turned on to Vipassana. So I never got all the way into it, but I started that first part, which was called Anapana. And uh, the teacher, Goenka, said, you know, as long as you hold a glass of water, it will never become still. But when you put it down, it'll become still. 
and it won't take that long. And then in that stillness, which is, I think, that deep part that you're yeah. talking about, you get underneath all the crap, yeah. it could still go on. And then I felt this thing, and I think that was serotonin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it is. You know? It's serotonin. <laughs> Because it reminded me of that last time I was like, oh, wow. And, you know, like I'm a cannabis user and for, you know, since I was 15 and for like, I think it was like three or four days straight, I forgot to smoke weed. And my wife was like, (laughs) I was like, hey, wait a minute, I forgot. But I was like meditating every morning, you know, I would do my yoga and then I would sit there. And I was like, wow, there's really something to this. But there's so many different forms of meditation. I didn't know between TM and Vipassana and this and that. Well, where you know. do you live in Boca? Where do you yes. live? Yes. Well, Boca there's Raton. TM teachers there. If you'd like, if I can arrange for a TM teacher to instruct you. And then you'd, you'd have another meditation you could try. Well, you know what's funny? I've, I think Mike is my third or fourth friend in the last year that has come to me saying, man, this TM thing is great. And I have a friend here that's an actor and he was trying to get me to go. And I texted him. <laughs> I was like, Bob Roth's coming on the podcast this morning. I was like, I know it's going to freak him out. <laughs> so I probably, I you know, probably am going to get into it. <laughs> you know, um, TM not, um, screwing up my morning TM helped me cut back on drinking and helped me cut back on smoking cigarettes quite a bit. I quit cigarettes now. It's been years since I smoked, but I was a over a pack a day smoker. And I would, when comedy was done, that's when I would like, all right, night's over. Let's have a couple drinks. And trying to meditate hungover, it was <laughs> not fun. It helped, but it also, I, I, yeah. I said, you know what? So I started to, and not consciously. In, at night, end of the night, I would say, you know, I'm not going to, I want to feel good in the morning. And uh, it, it, I, I swear it was just the, the byproducts of yeah. regular TM. Huge it, impact, it, huge yeah, impact. The positive side effects were, were amazing. It's that reset thing. Like it really does reset. What is it like going back to the womb or something? It just really does. Like I just started losing weight. I pushed my plate away. Yeah. I was done yeah. eating. For yeah. some reason, I perceived I'm full, whereas before I would just keep, uh, you know. Well, Bob, I have a qu- like one thing I wanted to ask you, and like knowing what you know and seeing what you've seen, and with the David Lynch Foundation and the work that you guys have w- done with, you know, prisons and with schools and communities this year, seeing the social uh, movements, seeing the literal division down the middle where it's like clearly racism is is here and clearly there are you know you know things are happening um from a meditate from from you know what you've seen with meditation the benefits that it could do on a societal level well on a societal level is individually and society as a whole so um the david lynch foundation was established by david lynch almost 16 years ago and his purpose was to bring the meditation for free to people who were under uh, living under intense trauma and toxic stress so these would be families for example in ward seven and eight in washington dc which has the highest crime the highest violence the highest domestic violence the highest covid deaths uh, of any place in the district or working with veterans who come back from combat decimated and devastated and the VA just throws 
I mean, they're doing the best they can, but they basically throw some drugs at them, some medicines at them. And women who are survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault, we've, we've worked to bring the meditation to them. And it has had a huge healing, healing effect. But recently with COVID-19, you know, and, and we're also working with uh, healthcare workers on the front line, but with COVID-19 and what's going on, we realized the whole country, well, the whole world, but the whole country is living under trauma and toxic stress. The whole country's at risk. We can't say, oh, these rich people are immune. Yeah. Everybody's got, everybody is, is, the kids are the number two cause of death among teenagers in America is suicide. So That's what true. the David Lynch Foundation is doing now is we thought, okay, how do we bring the meditation? If we want to transform society, if we want to get society to be, the people in society to be more themselves, which means settled and awake, it's not like, a pacifying or an opiate of the masses sort of thing, just make everybody sedated. It's give them the clarity and the energy and the resilience to make the change. How do we bring it to everybody? And so we have this plan called Meditate America, which is uh, to have TM qualified through research as a medical intervention that would be covered by health insurance companies. That's amazing. So 300 million people through Medicare, through private insurers, through employee assistance programs could learn to meditate or free covered by their insurance program. So that right there is going to be transformational. And I think we're gonna see within three, three years, research done and, and that single mom who's got two kids, who's, you know, uh, work has assistance, got a part-time job, really anxious, goes in to see a doctor. The doctor is covered by Medicare. The doctor says, you've got a lot of anxiety. I can either give you Valium or you could be prescribed TM or both. And it'll be covered by Medicare. That's what we want. That's so that's the thing that's going to be just instantly transformational. Do you think uh, my son is five and uh, we recently adopted a little girl from India. She's two, she'll be three and a couple of weeks and I know it's you know it's a lot it's a lot for me and Jess just the change yeah from uh two kids how's to she one. doing how is she doing how's she's she doing, doing great she's running this place like she's gonna be a CEO <laughs> of something like that's seriously. how it's supposed to be <laughs> yeah she was you know I'm way taller than her you know and I wasn't letting her off the hook I was like no and she looked up at me and she goes shh I was like, all right. This is right, right after we got her home. So everybody's like, how's oh, she adjusting? I'm like, yeah. Oh, you're back in my life, this lifetime, and you're back in charge. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I remember. Yeah, I remember the rules. She, I was, she was sitting at the breakfast table, and she was just giving me the business, you know. And I was like, you know, slavery ended in 1864. I know you don't know that yet, but you know, I'm just like trying to have a laugh with it. You know? I heard you say that on the phone and I go on that note, I'm getting off the That's phone. That's right. I was on the phone with you. But you know, it's been, it's been a little bit of an adjustment for Nigel, my son. And I wonder, you know, they taught him a little meditation at school and sometimes he'll sit there ironically because he wants to be a ninja and somehow he associated, like you said, like going down. I'm wondering, is this too, do you think he's too young? For no, the, from kids from the age of five to 10 get a mantra and they're taught how to use it, but they don't sit with their eyes closed. Their nervous system's still a little too delicate. So they do it. Yeah. You know, you take Nigel for a walk 
or you know he's playing or he's drawing or something quiet some quiet activity for five minutes in the beginning of the day and the end of the day but it's also important for you to have learned the meditation so you can help guide him as is needed once he turns nine or ten then he can get the sitting meditation and even your daughter when she turns four or five she can get it's lovely they have a they have a mantra they have a sound and they learn how to use it properly and it has a resonant quality and it has calming and then when they're 10 years old they're just they're just ready to dive within with the sitting meditation that's awesome because i would love to sometimes when things just get yeah yeah then they have a way to just reboot it's like a tuning fork just bring it back bring it back Bob, would you be able to discuss a little bit what have, um, speaking of that, and it it reminds me of uh, working in some school systems where transcendental meditation uh, replaced detention and uh, after school suspension and things. And they found that dropout rates decreased, graduation increased, and actually um, crime around the school the yes. geographic area around the school decreased, correct? Yes. So we have a program called Quiet Time, which is offered in schools, public, private, charter. And the, the school day begins and ends with 10 minutes of quiet time. And a child is given a choice. The quiet time is mandatory, but they, they could do TM. They could just nap. They could sit quietly with their, they could read quietly. So it's a choice. About 90% of the kids end up wanting to do TM. And they do it first thing in the morning, the whole school is quiet. And they do it again at the end of the day, the whole school is quiet. And those two periods of quiet time, just as we've just been talking about, by allowing their active thinking mind to just access those Inherently, now I want to make this point. It's not that TM makes your mind quiet down there. It already is. We're just stuck up here. We've lost access. So this is just like accessing it, like scuba diving. It's not like you're creating those levels where the turtles and all, it's there. You're just not accessing it. So it just gives access to that. And again, all those changes I talk about. And as a result of that, just two 10 minute periods of meditation, because it reboots things. The grades go up, test scores better, fewer suspensions and expulsions, higher graduation rates. And here's something that is not even a thought anymore, but I think it's the most important aspect of of education is the kids say that they're happier. Now, isn't that great to send your child (laughs) to school and the child does well in tests and they're happier? There's a beautiful quote from William Butler Yeats, and he says, um, education is not about filling a bucket. It's about lighting a fire. Mm, And that's what we've lost with education. We're just jamming stuff in this kid's brain. And then, you know, who knows what if they've had a hot meal for breakfast on a winter day when they show up at school, who knows what their life is like at home. And now they start the day and they just it's, a, it's really a, a preparation for life and for learning. So really great benefits. My and son, I, I'll say I one other thing. Some, you know, some of the listeners may be thinking, well, what is this thing? <laughs> You're just talking about it. Teach us. The thing about transcendental meditation, it's not a mass meditation. 
Every human being is an individual. Every human being actually, your son and your daughter, you and your wife, your what? We're universes in ourselves. We have our own learning pace. We have our own questions. We have our own experiences. So when we learn transcendental meditation, an hour a day over four consecutive days, the first day is always one-to-one. It can't be taught digitally. That experience of how to turn your attention and dive within and fathom your own inner unboundedness, that's not something that's just like a quick, that takes a moment, but you have a, it's like you can't raise your children remotely or digitally, you know, you wish, (laughs) but same with learning to meditate. But once they've learned it, then they've got it for the rest of their life. So their school programs, we teach them, they get a mantra, and the teacher teaches them how to use it properly, effortlessly, so all this stuff is taking place that I'm talking about. Is that something your individual teacher helps you do, like find yes. your mantra yeah. word? So you have your own teacher who's been specially certified as a six-month training program, graduate-level training program, and the teacher selects a mantra for you, which is, again, a word or a sound that has no meaning. Because if it had a meaning, then you're just figuring out up here, just yeah. whatever. Yeah. And then you're ta- and it's a nice sound, it's 6,000 years old, and then you're taught how to use it. So just like that, it's like a catalyst. The attention is turned within. And everyone can do it. Everyone can do it. I've been teaching this for almost 50 years. And that to so many people, and everyone can do it. I, I will say if I could do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> no, I say that about myself. I have no, yeah. I mean, I, I have, I, my thoughts are, I feel like I'm carrying 100 balloons, and if one gets loose... I let go of the other 99 to try to capture that one. And then everything's up in the air and the whole rest of the day is just a complete loss. So um, I found traveling as a stand-up comedian and being on the road alone and trying not to, you know, drink or hang out and, you know, whatever. Like it, it, it gave me a... It was like something I had I could pack with me when I went on the road. Now being forced to be home it's that same place. I'm just entering through a different door, you know? And it's, uh, the, the moment my wife, like, like I said, my wife was on the front, she's in the front line of this whole thing, uh, from day one. And, uh, it was, I had my own anxieties, but I also had extreme panic for her safety and for her, you know, is she going to live and how is she going to deal with watching people die every day and not being able to help because she takes her job extremely seriously, as does any healthcare professional. That's not something you get into, but on a, man, maybe I'll try to be a hero. You, you know that you, and uh, TM again was something that my anxiety will, will manifest itself in like shivers. I get like actual shiv, like a, like a, like I'm hypothermic. And I'll get pains in my chest, shortness of breath, and a and a real tense headache in my jaw. And I I I meditated. I I I needed it, and it was something that I can't thank. You know, uh, I mean, I I don't know who to thank, but it's. I'm glad I was able to have it. Your and own lucky stars. You just get, your own you know, lucky stars. But I think about how many people can could just need that break. And in our professions, Otiel and I, and, and this is Bob, one of the last things I wanted to ask, because I, I don't want to take up too much of your time today, but you work with a lot of very creative people and Otiel being a musician, me being a comic, and we're surrounded by people who are down. And w- what is it about the creative mind, the artist mind, the, 
you know, why are we so hard on ourselves? How come we're never happy? <laughs> why are we so crazy? <laughs> why are we so crazy? Well, first, I, I like to tell you what, what uh, if I might, just a moment of what brain science now tells us where the creative process lo is lodged in the brain. Okay? Sure. Is that all right? Do yeah, time? please. Okay, so this is the newest. You know how they used to say you're, there's two, well, they know there's two hemispheres to the brain. And if you're a right hemisphere person, then you're a creative person, you're artistic, you're spatial, you're, and if you're a left hemisphere person, then you're a, a scientist, an analyst, a numbers cruncher. You've heard that sort of thing? Yes. Well, it's yep. not true. It's not true. Turns out it's not true. <laughs> Turns out creativity is not lodged in one part of the brain. And some people have it and some people don't. Creativity is a product of, connection within networks, it's communication within different part networks within the brain. So, so creativity is all about communication. And so what you have is in the creative process, which is the idea and then executing the idea. Like you're gonna write a book, you gotta have the ideas, great. A lot of people have ideas. Can you put the pen to paper? Can you focus? Can you make it happen? Can you practice that, that, you know, that instrument you know, in your early days? So there's two, two main parts to the brain. One is, one is called the executive control center, which is the front of the brain. And that's that focus part. That's where your brain is working really hard and it's tiring. And so the researchers wanted to know, okay, well, that's your productive brain. What happens to the brain when it's not working hard, when it's just resting, when it's, just, when it's not buzzing? What does the brain do when it's resting? So they did research and they found out actually the brain never rests. Even during sleep, it doesn't rest. But when the brain is not focused on something, on task, when the brain is non-directed, they call it, this is what the brain defaults to, from focused on this to just chilling. And so they call it the default mode network, which means just chilling. And they were at first, and I'm going to get to this point. I'm sorry for taking so long. Please. No, no, no. Take yeah, your but time. They, they, uh, they said, well, they were very dismissive of the default mode network. They said, nah, it's just, you're, you're, you're daydreamy, mind wandering, rumination, nothing productive. Well, now they have two new names for this default mode network. First is the imagination network. This is the part of the brain where those really cool nonlinear ideas just well up and you go, oh my God, is that the best idea ever? You know those things ever? <laughs> like you're in front of your computer and you're trying to come up with something, write something, trying, 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 nothing's coming. You go for a walk, you take a hot shower or you, you, your partner or wife says, let's get out of town when we can get out of town. That, that shift activates the default mode network, and that's where those good ideas come from. Well, now they have even a new name for the imagination network, the best. They call it the genius lounge. Wow. Oh, wow. The genius lounge. Oh, that's really, Einstein. I, you can look it up. And that yeah. is that absolute access of that amazing creativity. And so the creative process has been the genius lounge, the imagination network, and then that shuts down and then focus and then you focus and then you're tired and then you take a break and then to wake up the genius lounge and then you, hopefully you get a good idea, you get ideas, one or the other. And they know that stress shuts both down, mm. writer's block, 
can't that that's the default mode network that that shut down you can't focus when you're under stress either so here's the cool thing long time just to get to this point in tm so they re, they picked 200 of the researchers 200 of who they thought were like the some of the most creative people in the world they were um conductors and architects and mathematicians and inventors and they and they looked at their brain and it turns out their brains are wired differently than everybody else. Their brains have both of those networks functioning at the same time. Yeah. The ability to focus and innovate at the same time. The ability to innovate and focus at the same time. It's not either or. So what that means is you can be working on something and then you go, oh my, you're, but you're relaxed enough to go, oh my God, this is going to make that better. It's like, you know, in, in jazz and any music, just sort of That's innovation. That's what I was That's just going to say. Improvisation is impro that. You're totally that way. And you have, but improvisation comes from being a great classical musician too. So you've Absolutely. got that. It's not just, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm, improv no. I'm improvising. So here's the point. Transcendental meditation is alone in any meditation because there's no concentration. Any concentration you use shuts down the, that genius lounge, focus. It, it wakes up both. And so it allows in meditation and that spills over into daily life. So that allows you to innovate, improvise, expand, grow, and be more and more creative. That's a great thing to understand, answer your question about why we're never satisfied i think it goes back to those early days you know those early traumatic days yeah. because we're a little nervous system we're a little baby you know even your daughter um what her early days were like they say it's more traumatic for an infant that neglect for a newborn is more far more traumatic than physical abuse mm. Because physical abuse, there's some human contact. Could you imagine just being left there yeah. Yeah. all day? Oh, yeah. wow. Think of that. Think of that. Yeah. And so I think we are outgrowing. Meditation is going to allow us to outgrow that never satisfied stuff. But also know at the same time that you are developing those qualities in your brain, your nervous system, so that you can really kill it in your profession. I was what Jerry Seinfeld says, just like night and day. Absolutely. So that was a long answer, but I think it's pretty, pretty interesting stuff. No, it's uh, fantastic it's answer. Absolutely is. Cause it reminded me of Albert Einstein when he would say, I would just wrestle with this problem, like the, the front part of his brain. And then he's like, I got nothing. He'd go play his violin. And yeah. Go into the genius lounge and then it would come to him. That's it. Genius, I mean, lounge. Like, genius Lounge is Isn't that so the best cool. name yeah, man. ever? Yeah, that really is awesome. It makes and me genius and make Lounge sure. is the best part because it's <laughs> yeah. relaxed. You're relaxed. Well, I, it's staying out of our own way, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 But our educational system does not promote no. that. And I find myself being very, like, I don't know what the word is, vigilant. It's something more than vigilant slightly more zealous just about my son's education because he was in Montessori school and I saw this happen. I saw this freedom that he had and he's excelled. He's in kindergarten reading at a second grade level wow. because he had that 
you know, genius lounge. He had that time. And so now I'm just like always super worried. Like, I don't want the educational system to yeah. like stunt his brain growth, basically. Yeah. You know, there's, <laughs> you know? there's a study that said that the people who go into Harvard, that their IQ when they leave Harvard is lower than when they go into Harvard. <laughs> no, they crammed, it because yeah. of stress. Crammed, so because yeah. of stress. <laughs> well, anyway. And- no, and like you said, Bob, and that's something that I think of when you talk about um, Nigel. Oteil called me one day and he goes, uh, Nigel counted to 20 in Mandarin. <laughs> that's right. 45 years old, right? Four years old, five, five years old. And then you're like, oh, and now he counts to 50. Oh. And, and the thing that's interesting is as you and Bob, what you said very when you asked me about my childhood – I have this thought that there's like, you know, we're kind of like we're a, a brand new wire and then along the our timeline we get a kink in the wire and those mm-hmm. currents aren't flowing the way that they did before and I think we spend a lot of time w- wondering when it all kinked and I think what's transcendental meditation has been a great uh muscle that I've been able to use in other therapies. Um, I work regularly with a hypnotherapist and I feel just like you said, if I went into a hypnotherapy session in the, uh, you know, the stress, the stress hallway instead of the genius lounge, I wouldn't get as much done. <laughs> you but like the, that word, don't you? I love yeah, that I word. Love it, genius man. lounge is phenomenal. God, that I wish we named the podcast the genius yeah. lounge. <laughs> We're going to be using that. Um, but yeah, it's true. And it's just, you know, um, it was very important for, for us to have you today because yeah. this is something that we're trying, Oteil and I are trying so hard to, when we were talking about this podcast and we were getting ready to do it, it was pre-pandemic and we were both busy traveling and touring. Oteil was just recently adopted your daughter, I think, when we when yeah. we started to talk about this. And we were just busy on our paths and we said, we need to do something about spirituality. We want to talk about, we've both had very, you know, life-altering experiences on a cosmic level and um then the pandemic hit and all of this happened and we decided we need to we need to share as much as we possibly can with our listeners and give them as many tools as they can to choose from and this has been the most important tool in this past decade in my life so that's great yeah, i've really so really much. really enjoyed spending time with the two of you this is really great Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. For anyone who's interested in learning more, um, where can they find more information? Go to tm.org, tm.org, and they have your local centers. You know, there's a listing of your closest centers, and they have a lot of information there. You can go to tm.org. Awesome. Thank you so much. Kink those cords. Get those kinks out. Get the kinks out. (laughs) Thank you, Bob. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. I really enjoyed this. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 